This is What I've Learned From Women, a podcast for creatives, business owners, and quiet rebels. I'm your host, Claire Coofland, a certified coach specializing in helping women find their inner rebel and live life on their terms. Each episode will share stories and empower and support each other. This is episode three. This week's conversation is with Emily Powell. She is an illustrator over at Tomcat Pictures on Instagram, and she describes herself as a accountant by day and an illustrator by night. We have a really lovely conversation about potential to change the world, about savoring the journey, how happiness can lead to success, and just generally about how to take care of yourself in order to take care of others better and it's a really uplifting conversation and I really hope you enjoy it because I absolutely loved recording it. Hi Emily, welcome. Hi Claire, hi, how are you? It's great to um, join you. Yeah, really good, thank you. It's really lovely to have you. We've kind of known each other, we were just saying on and offline a little bit but we've never really had a proper face-to-face chat so this is lovely. No, yeah, absolutely it is and um, I... I think when you are new to the online kind of community and space, like I feel like I am, it's only been, a f- you know, maybe two or three years. It's, mm. it's so lovely to just find so many different people who you can connect with that you would just never get the opportunity to, to connect with and, and talk to in a different set of circumstances. So. Totally. Yeah. It's a wonderful world out there. There's so many great, we always say things about, oh, Instagram is difficult or it's hard or whatever, but actually you've met some amazing people through it. So it's really nice to remember that. Yeah. And, and I think, um, for me, I, it's, it's one of the things that I use to remind myself why it is that I'm on Instagram and why I love connecting on that, on that platform, because it's, it's easy, isn't it? To kind of get lost in, oh, you know, nobody sees my stuff and nobody's engaging or the algorithm and all of that. And all of those things, you know, they are challenging and and they can be true. But actually what I have gained from just being out there on social media is so much inspiration and so much connection and just so many great people that, you know, I'm, I'm now friends with who I could, you know, I'd never have met in different circumstances. Um, so, and that's kind of what keeps me, what keeps me going and what keeps me sane a little bit in terms of Instagram um, is actually without it. Yeah. Yeah. It can be hard and, and you get lost in the scroll and it can, it can be really demoralizing, but actually without it, I wouldn't have had all of the amazing inspiration that I've had. Um, and my life wouldn't, be as good so oh I love that yeah I totally agree it's one of those things isn't it you kind of go oh I'm on Instagram again but then you realize you're actually maybe connecting with people or you're finding something out about people you like and there is that real positives in there as well so yeah it's really nice so do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do um yeah so I'm an artist and illustrator um first and foremost I guess um I do business illustration um I do private commissions um I'm illustrating a children's book at the moment uh for my friend who I met through Instagram Mm -hmm. um and now you know we're collaborating on loads of different things um and we are you know we're really good friends Mm -hmm. um and I am also an accountant so I do that um as my day job Mm-hmm. which um maybe I'll kind of talk about a little bit later um but uh yeah so I've come to um I guess a creative and artistic career quite late in my career mm-hmm. um so I'm 45 in a couple of weeks um and I kind of feel like I've only just started on this 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 kind of different journey that's amazing I love hearing stories about people finding their creativity or doing something different I I kind of really understand that that you kind of go through life and find new things and actually if you grab onto them and enjoy them and there's just possibility all the time really in life 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I had the opportunity to kind of do illustration full time for about 18 months and that was amazing. Um, but my career before that was, was, um, as an accountant and going back to it kind of felt a bit like, Oh, okay. I'm going back to something that I didn't necessarily was hoping that I wouldn't have to go back to, but actually now I kind of get to have it as, I don't know, my, maybe my alter ego. So I'm mm. accountant by day and illustrator by night. And that kind of feels like it works quite well. And I think that there are opportunities for me to, to, I guess, capitalize on my, the, those contradictions in who I am. Um, because I think, you know, we're all, we, we kind of get hung up on our labels, don't we, a little bit? Um, and being an accountant and being an illustrator seem to be quite opposite. Um, but actually they're just part of who I am and what I do. And perhaps they're part of what makes me unique and, you know, means that I can add value and support and, and kind of share things in different ways. Yeah, that's really nice way to put it. I think, like you say, it cannot feel right to sometimes do a career alongside a career, but actually so many people are doing multiple things at the same time. And, you know, the multi-hyphenate thing is a big thing. And I think if you can have a part of your life that you really love and enjoy and, you know, creating and being kind of, it's like magic. And then you've got a part that does what it needs to do, but you're still enjoying it. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a, it's a nice way to do it. It gives you variety as well. Mm, it does yeah okay so let's get started with the questions what's the best advice you've ever been given so uh, when I was thinking about this question I found it really hard to pick one thing it's a really tough question and I've had so much good advice over the years and my mind was just skipping all over the place um so I kind of cheated a little bit and instead of deciding on a single piece of advice I decided on a whole book of it so um I read it first maybe two or three years ago um and it's called Please Yourself by Emma Reed Terrell and she's I think she's fairly local um to where I am here and I um, saw a recommendation by a friend of mine, um, and I thought I'd give it a try. She's a searcher, so Emma Reiterell is a psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. And what I love about the book um, is it's not aggressively about just doing whatever the hell you like, learning not to care. It kind of takes you on a journey um, to understand properly where our people-pleasing tendencies come from um and how learning to care better for ourselves helps us to care better for others without taking on all of their problems um or feeling responsible for their own happiness um, and to say that it was transformative doesn't kind of feel strong enough and and transformative is just something that it's quite a th- throwaway phrase these days you know I guess we all learn and evolve so much um but this it was just it was another level it really kind of told me things about my experiences that that made me behave in certain ways that just made such a difference to me and when after I'd read it the first time it was like you know those videos on social media where like a little child who maybe has impaired sight gets um glasses for the first time and their face Mm. is just it was it it felt like that um so and I've read it more than once now um, and I'm an avid reader. I read loads of stuff. Um, so for me to kind of pick that one book, um, I have to say, I think that, you know, that has been the, you know, the best advice that I've ever had in terms of, you know, reading that and understanding kind of where all of that came from. Oh, that sounds amazing. I've just written it down because I have to read it. <laughs> 
but I really loved the if you care better for yourself you care better for others I think that's such a lovely message yeah definitely and I, and I think that we so we kind of put people pleasing and self-sacrifice on a bit of a pedestal um, and think, well, you know, we should be nice to people and we should be, you know, caring about other people's happiness. And absolutely that's true. Um, But actually, if you care about yourself and you choose things that make you happy, then the people who are around you, they will benefit from that anyway, because you and, and actually you can't please other people you 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 know you can't make other people happy it's not you know it's not possible to to actually do that so yeah there's something in that isn't there if you're you're kind of happiest or best or however you want to describe itself then that kind of radiates out of you and the decisions you make are different and the way that you behave and the way that you feel is different and that has a real nice knock-on effect on others so yeah nice yeah and I and I found that you know I I was always so defensive of my own kind of you know decision when when I was choosing something that was what I wanted I always would get really defensive as if I wasn't allowed to have that and and to be able to let that go and just be actually this is what I'm choosing and it is the right thing for me and I'm not saying you know stuff everyone else actually I don't I don't need to be defensive about it because what's right for me will also be what's right for other people in terms of you know the decisions that I'm making yeah really nice so how would you say that you've changed over the last 10 years wow so (laughs) much I kind of, when I started thinking about this question, I thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to end up kind of telling my life story if I'm not careful. So I will try really hard not to do that. But um, when, so 10 years ago, I was four months pregnant with Thomas um, and my daughter, Caitlin, was nearly three. I'd been married 11 years. I was, you know, I'd, I'd qualified as a chartered management accountant. I'd been qualified for a few years um, we'd moved into this house in a lovely neighbourhood. Mm. I'd got, you know, good salary as a finance manager. I was working for B&Q and I was looking for my next job, you know, after after maternity leave. The next job, you know, that I wanted was a finance business partner. Um, I was ambitious. I was confident. I knew who I was and what I wanted out of life. Mm. Um, if you'd asked me. 10 years ago you know what where where I was going to be in 10 years time I'd have said you know a finance director or you know head of finance that was that was where my career was going the people who were kind of at a similar stage in their careers many of them that's where they are now that's what they're doing and the creative kind of stuff was just it was just a hobby um and you know there was never it was always destined to just be a hobby you know 10 years ago and I have to say I think the things that have changed the most radically for me over the last 10 years are you know my dreams because back you know, 10 years ago, finance director, I'd have, I'd feel like I've, you know, I'd have made it. That was where I was heading. Um, but that hasn't, you know, that, that isn't where I am now. Um, and things have kind of changed, you know, really, really quite radically. So I did, as I, I kind of mentioned earlier, I've, I spent 18 months working as a, as a full-time illustrator. Um, and that was an amazing, you know, it was an amazing privilege to, to be able to do that. Um, but it didn't allow the financial stability that I needed and that we needed. So, you know, I had the opportunity to do it for a while. You know, the financial crisis kind of hit after COVID and uh, now I'm starting to settle into more of a balance that gives me the financial security um, of an employed role as, you know, as a finance manager working in the NHS. Um, but I'm doing 30 hours a week. And now my dreams and my goals are all around 
my the, the creative work that I do um and I get to kind of spend my weekends you know as and when life and children allow um you know drawing and and that's that now is the more important part of kind of my life and and my dreams and although you know I I get a lot of satisfaction out of the day job that I do and it provides you know what I need what I need it to provide I'm not there any longer thinking okay well you know where's the next step on the ladder and and how can I you know, move forward in my career and what training do I need to take? All of my thoughts are around, you know, how do I learn how to do some animation and procreate and, you know, what, what book might I get to illustrate next? Mm. Um, so it's, you know, some really kind of some real changes. Yeah, sounds like it. I'm really interested in the, so you sort of 10 years ago, you were in the finance world and kind of wanting to progress in that and then something changed and you started following your dreams well can you remember what changed or was it did it just happen it was kind of covid so which i think you know will many people had the same um you know the same experience so i'd started to do some illustration work so i worked in the nhs mm. um so i started working in the nhs after um Thomas was born and I had the opportunity to do some illustration work um and I really enjoyed it and and people different people saw what I was doing and then they wanted me to do some for them and then they started to commission me um and it kind of grew into like a little side gig um and then when and and that was kind of what I was expecting it to be, um, because I had no belief um, that I could turn it into a full time salary without well not salary is not the right word, um, but I couldn't do it full time and make a good living. So it would always be just, you know, a bit of extra kind of money on the side, which was lovely. Um, but then, you know, during COVID, I'd, I'd kind of, I'd got to, you know, I'd got the big salary. I'd got, you know, uh, the, the impressive job title. So I was, you know, head of program management mm. for an NA, a big NHS trust. Mm. Um, and I just, I came to feel like the salary and the job title were almost like millstones around my neck because I'd never, it felt like I'd kind of made my choice, you know, and I'd spent all of that time and effort studying and qualifying. Um, and, you know, my husband had supported uh, you know that decision and we'd kind of gone through all of those years of stress and study um and I, I felt like you know you can't change your career when you're you know pushing 40 it's just you, you can't you're stuck now that's it so you can you can be an illustrator but you can do that when you retire and if you work extra hard you might be able to retire a bit early and maybe kind of cut down your hours a bit so I never considered that I would be able to do that. Um, but, you know, COVID kind of made everything feel different and I wasn't having to travel. I wasn't spending like two hours in the car driving and then park and ride. I could walk my son to school and I could take the dogs for a walk at lunchtime. And I started to, to kind of crave a, a different life, a different pace of life um where I wasn't trying to like cram everything in all the time and you know sacrifice time with my kids because I was you know getting up and leaving the house at seven o'clock in the morning and not getting home until seven o'clock at night um so I'd built up more clients um and I had the opportunity to do some murals and paint some murals and so I handed in my notice and uh you know I worked three months notice and I knew at that point that it I was 
it wasn't going to be steady enough to carry on for you know forever and that I would have to do something to build it um but I didn't want to not give it a try Mm. and absolutely don't regret it at all it has been such uh an amazing kind of you know period of time in my life and I feel like I almost feel like I was waking up a little bit Mm. like I'd been asleep all of those years that my career you know was was the thing that I cared about the most um obviously aside from my family um but that you know that was my goal was to kind of earn a good living in order to support you know our family and and it was I chat I was chatted to some friends and and one of my other friends kind of done something similar although um not not like illustrating and and he was the same he said well it yeah it just feels like I was asleep all of those years um you know just not really appreciating the some of the other things that there are in life um outside of you know spreadsheets and balance sheets and P&Ls and crunching the numbers <laughs> yeah definitely I love that as well that kind of you thought that it would be something you did when you retired or that was for later in life and actually what you did was go no I'm going to do it now I think it's I want to do it now and I think that's really refreshing to hear because I think a lot of people probably feel like that that I'll do that in a, I'll do that in a while or I'll do this first or I'll build my career first and sometimes you just have to take that kind of calculated risk but I suppose it's still a a little risk so yeah so who is a woman that has inspired you and why oh so this question um I again I thought I'm gonna choose someone like Rosa Parks or Maya Angelou or Brené Brown because you know they're such phenomenal women who have done amazing things um but in the end, I decided that the woman who's inspired me the most is Sarah. So Sarah, you know, me and all are Sarah Tasker, because I, up until I, I kind of discovered, you know, her, um, the Insta retreat, um, mm. I'd done, I'd been in kind of other business groups, um, and, so many of them are all about kind of the hustle and the, oh, you know, there's a set of rules and you have to do it like this and this is how it needs to be. And, and if you don't, well, if you don't do it like this, then, well, of course you're not going to be successful and all this kind of stuff. And I just, her kindness and generosity and authenticity, I just, it is endlessly inspiring um and it just felt like such such an amazing alternative um to the kind of hustle 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 um that wasn't just okay well if I'm not going to hustle 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 then I need to just believe that the universe is going to you know manifest my dreams and there was these two kind of extremes and just the first week of the Insta retreat, I couldn't, I was blown away by how much mm. she just gave so generously. And I think it was the Insta retreat and listening to Sarah and reading her books and reading, you know, her pop, you know, listening to her podcast and, and reading, you know, her blogs um, helped me to stop feeling like a victim of the algorithm mm. um, and, you know, feeling like there were things that I, you know, didn't deserve, mm. but that there, and that there was like a gentler way that you could succeed and you could kind of, you can have what you want. It doesn't have to be all about the hustle. Um, and, and also how, I mean, she's so successful and she does, she's absolutely brilliant. 
but with not a single shred of arrogance, not at all. And I just, I, I find all of that incredibly, you know, inspiring. Yeah, she is a really, really inspiring human. I think she taught me about rest. I think before I met Sarah, I would work too much and get myself into small, small periods of burnout. And yeah, the, the working with her and kind of understanding the way that she works has really helped me to understand that actually you can take some time off. And yeah, she's really inspiring. The way she does things is just unique and gentle, but with real purpose and ambition. Yeah. Mm, yeah she's a she's an amazing human (laughs) so do you have a favorite quote or saying so I couldn't pick just one (laughs) so I have got three five so um just keep swimming I absolutely love that so um I I don't know, people may or may not know. Um, it's from, it's Dory from Finding Nemo. And I just, I, I just love it. It's so simple. And sometimes you don't know where you're going and you don't know how you're going to get there. But that doesn't mean that you have to stop and you have to give up. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, you don't have to hustle. You can just, just keep swimming and helps me when I'm when I've got like a million things like going around in my head thinking oh I want to do this I want to do that and I haven't got time for this I just just think actually just keep swimming Mm. and you know those those things will come and my next one which I also love um is from Matilda and somewhere inside of us is the power to change the world. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely believe that with all of my heart. Mm-hmm. So uh, for me, I don't, that, that doesn't have to mean reversing climate change or fixing capitalism or, you know, changing the world in some momentous way. There are endless people in my life who have changed my world, um, maybe only, you know, in little ways. Um, and that's what I want to do. So I want to be able to change the world just a little bit in a small way, even if it's just for one person um, with, you know, the things that I share and the things that I draw. Yeah, lovely. And then my third, the third one, which um, I love is from Maya Angelou, who said, people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And although, you know, we're not responsible for other people's happiness and we're not here to try and kind of please everybody, we can absolutely take responsibility for not dragging people down, not making them feel small or humiliated. We can choose to be uplifting and positive. And, you know, that's how I want to make people feel. I want them to feel kind of uplifted and and. I want them to say that that's how they feel when they see my work. Um, so, yeah. Oh, favorite three. Oh, they're so good. They're all good. I really liked the potential to change the world thing because I think that it, it's sometimes it can be just opening the door for somebody and then that has a real big knock-on effect, you know, or just smiling at somebody in the street, you know, it can change people's day. And I think there's limitless potential in that. Yeah. And we always think that, you know, changing the world is is something that other people can do because they're, you know, they've got more influence than us and they can do things, you know, that we may never have the opportunity to do. But actually the world is, we, you know, we're each in our own world, aren't we? And we can change the world for other people in just small ways. And I think that that's, to me, that's just so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the Maya Angelou one. That's one of my favourites. I think that that how we make people feel is a really big thing 
it's really yeah it can be really important and you might not ever know as well which I think is the interesting thing you might never know just how much you mean to somebody but Mm. yeah powerful in your opinion what are some of the biggest challenges that women face today and what can we do to overcome them so this again was a really tough one um, <laughs> and that you know there is there is so much but I I think there's so much that's just woven into the fabric of our society that we don't even notice mm-hmm. often so the the kind of stereotypes and the sayings that just they just come out without a second thought mm-hmm. and if you kind of challenge people they're like but it doesn't matter it doesn't mean anything and I think well actually do you know what sometimes it does so people think it's harmless but when bravery and courage are referred to as being ballsy or people who are perhaps a bit you know more timid are told to grow a pair I find those things just really insidious Mm. and unpleasant because you know I I hate it when women are referred to as as ballsy Mm. because why use that phrase because you know the the origin of it is all about men and male anatomy and therefore to be courageous and brave you need to have a pair and I, I just, I find that I really, you know, I, I don't like that at all. And also, you know, things where we use phrases like, oh, don't be a girl, or that's being girly, or you throw like a girl, or, yeah. I just, they're just, they just happen. that People just say them without really thinking about what it is that they're saying. Um, and I think, you know, we have to challenge those things and we you know you don't have to be we don't we can be kind about it but actually they do matter and how we phrase things makes a difference Mm -hmm. um and how you know how I bring up my children I want that to be in a world where you you don't say things like that because being brave or being courageous doesn't it doesn't come with a gender um and there are also some things around tradition that we think are are harmless and beautiful traditions like the father walking his daughter down the aisle and giving her away mm. which you know i think it's a lovely experience for uh, you know my dad walked me down the aisle gave me away um and I didn't think anything of it at the time. But now I think actually it is steeped in a tradition where women were possessions mm-hmm. and and a man was giving a woman to another man. And often he had to pay him to take her, which is just <laughs> crazy. And, you know, the, the, the thought of, so, you know, when I got married, I took my husband's name. Mm. It's just normal. It's tradition. Lots of people do it. And I don't think any the worse for anyone who does it. I did it myself. And it's my, you know, we've been married like 21 years. So it is, it's my name and my children's names. But now I just think, actually, when my children grow up and, you know, make the choices around who they want to be with and whether they want to get married or, you know, however that works out for them in their lives I hope that they will not choose their husband's name or their wife's name I hope that together they will they will decide to do something different and pick a new net that works for them you know because you can do that when you get married when you sign the magic marriage certificate you legally change your name and you can both do it at the same time and so you could just use it as an opportunity to just pick any name that you want for you and your family and just to create a new identity for yourself that isn't about the patriarchy um and I love that idea so I I 
I, I don't know, you know, what will happen when my children are old enough to kind of make those decisions, but it's just something that I like to think. I like that. I really like that. And I could not agree more with you about the phrasings and the way we do, because I think even when you're aware of them, sometimes they're so ingrained in your like culture and your upbringing in where you are or where you're from. I'm from Yorkshire. So things like that were really common when I was growing up. They were the say- sayings. And now I, I think as I've got older, I think as I was younger, I was very timid and I probably wouldn't have challenged them as much. Probably just wouldn't have got involved in the conversation or might have just like moved away from the conversation but now I tend to yeah like you say say oh, I don't really like that phrase not in a confrontational way and just like I just don't really like that phrase or can we not say that or yeah yeah and I think it's really important to do that because yeah associating gender with strength and power is just such a interesting thought really I mean I know it comes from lines of tradition and you know it's historic historical but actually you know there's also the thing about strong women being seen as kind of aggressive in the workplace and you know that ballsy connotation in in a different way and yeah it's very damaging really it does make people feel like they can't be themselves Mm, yeah no absolutely absolutely so do you have an ultimate life tip or hack i do and i think it's easy to choose um which is go for a walk nice and if you've got a dog even better (laughs) who even better um and uh, so when we did lots of walking when I was a child and and I was always such a moaner so I used to wind and moan and my legs hurt and my back hurt and we used to go on like long walks Mm. my dogs are scratching the door to get in now (laughs) um and I never appreciated it but now you know, we you know we we climbed Thorpe Cloud in the drizzle, which is you know in Derbyshire near Dovedale. Mm. Um, and we when we got back down the other side, we went and bought fish and chips in Ashbourne and sat on the side of the road in the drizzle, and it was just glorious. And now it is my escape. Mm. Um, and sometimes I don't I don't want to go. Mm. Um, but I know that if I get up and I get out and I get some fresh air, it always makes things better. Um, I love the solitude. I love going with my kids when they want to come. Um, but I love the solitude of it. And I just, you know, any time of day, I love the dusk and the bats that flit around. I love like first thing in the morning when nobody else is around and the, all the flowers are asleep and it's just the dew. I love all of that. Mm-hmm. And I would say that, you know, it's the one thing they're barking now. <laughs> they're really <laughs> talking about going for a walk. Um, it's the one thing that, you know, ha- has kept me sane. Um, and you know just I just love to do it and they don't let me not go um and you know all of those memories of going for beautiful walks in in Derbyshire um you know they're some of my most precious memories so I would say if you're having if you know even if you don't think you've got time just do it because it's great um and for people who maybe you know can't get outside or you know you know can't walk possibly I would say invest in a pair of um noise cancelling headphones and put on some bird song um and some you know fresh you know breeze nature sounds um because that will take you some of the way and open the window and you know enjoy the fresh air yeah there's something nurturing about that isn't there that kind of fresh air and the natural sounds that even if you can't get out and necessarily go for big hikes you can still kind of connect with it and kind of almost visualize it if you need to but really connect with that feeling of being outside with nature yeah nice okay so what advice would you give to women who are just starting their careers and would like to make an impact controversially i think i would say don't try and make an impact. Nice. Um, I know that sounds a bit backwards. Um, and I know that if somebody had said that to me at the start of my career, I would have gone, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, but I, I think the impact that you make 
will just come. Um, mm. You know, you don't have to chase it. You don't have to decide what you're, how you're going to impact, you know, and, and what that's going to, how that's going to work. Because, you know, things don't necessarily work out how you think that they are going to. You don't necessarily end up, you know, where you're, where you think your life is headed. Um, so I would say, you know, don't, making an impact, you know, isn't necessarily something that you can decide. It's just something that comes with being who you are. Mm -hmm. I would say that you, you know, savour the journey Mm. as well. Don't, you know, don't be in a rush. Um, Drink in all of the inspiration because there is so much inspiration out there and there is so much opportunity and so many different things that we could do or be, you know, and don't let yourself be defined by a set of labels. Um, so, yeah. Nice. Really nice. Lots of lovely things there. I really like the not being defined by anything, really, but the set of labels is really powerful and saving the journey. We're so often rushing towards the goal or the end result or, you know, what's next. And we very rarely, I, I, personally, I suppose, but I hear it from other people as well. We very rarely kind of enjoy the process of doing something and get into the, you know, I think about running a business. You want the end result. You don't want necessarily to be doing the typing into the captions or writing the emails necessarily you want the result at the end of it so yeah enjoying the journey yeah yeah absolutely i i've so i listened to um andy j pizza's um creative pet talk podcast and he talks about that a lot in terms of um so the analogies that he uses aren't analogies that you know that work for me mm. but i absolutely because he talks about like playing video games and and crushing it and getting to the end really fast um for me it might be like you know a book um so we're so desperate to kind of find out what happens that we rush to the end of it and then when you finish a book it can be a bit like you know it's a bit like a bereavement and I that you know that might be a little different um but no, I do understand that. I feel it too. I do like when when a good book's finished, I can't pick up another one for a few days because I feel like I'm cheating on it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And and when you kind of I I find that I'm so desperate to kind of enjoy the book that there are things I miss. Um, you know, so so I reread it and I was like, oh, I don't remember that from last time because I rushed through it. Mm. And I don't, you know, we don't, we don't want to miss any bit of our lives. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the journey is, the journey is the thing that like the destination is not the thing. It's the, it's the experiences and the journey and, and how we get there um, that matters the most. Definitely. I can think of a few times in my life where I've achieved something I've been, I've kind of worked towards quite a long time or it's taken a lot of effort. And usually you get there and it kind of feels a bit like New Year's Eve. Like it's a bit like, oh, I thought this was going to be better than it is kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know whether you can resonate with that, but there's been a few times where I've achieved something, let's say, and I thought, oh, I actually enjoyed doing it more than I enjoyed getting it. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And and I, I think, um, you know, I, I find that with um, a lot of things in life and, and ultimately, you know, the destination that we're all heading to is probably not one that we would choose if we couldn't, you know, if we could avoid it. So yeah. let's, you know, sa- savouring the moment and enjoying, enjoying how, how we take our steps. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is really important. Definitely. So what's the biggest lesson you've learned? And another one from a book. <laughs> Good. Is, um, happiness, and it's kind of similar related to what we were talking about before, but happiness doesn't follow success. Mm. So um, there's a great book um, called The Happiness Advantage uh, by Sean Akel. And um i think 
reading that and because he flips it around because we think you know when I'm successful when I've done this when I reach that that's Mm. when I'll be happy and so we strive for these goals and then we get there but then okay what what's next because it doesn't necessarily make us happy um and what he what what you know what he talks about in the book is that actually happiness helps you to be successful because if you are happy you are more nat- you know you're more naturally able to do the things that you know you need to do in order to succeed you're less stressed you're you know all of those things and therefore happiness leads to success and and not necessarily the other way around um one of the other things within the book is very much about you can you can choose to be happy you know you uh, not you know talking about things um like clinical depression um or making any kind of you know comment about those because that's those medical conditions are are, you know they they are um prevalent in the world and i'm not saying oh well you know if you're depressed you can just decide to be happy but actually you can influence your own level of happiness um and I think you know that's a really important thing to remember. So sometimes when you get out of bed, you're like, "Oh my god, it's such a bad day." Yeah. You know, you get out of bed on the wrong. You can decide whether the day stays the way that it feels like it's going to, or whether you're going to kind of turn it around um, and be happy. Yeah, because you can get into that stacking behaviour, can't you? Where you get out of bed, you stub your toe go downstairs and you drop something on the floor and then you go to work because you're running late you're late and then you get to work and you think your boss is mad with you and then you know and these things just stack and stack and stack and you have a bad day and it started because you stubbed your toe and it's like if you can sort of switch that and go okay I stubbed my toe that was rubbish let's just take a moment you know it can have a big difference yeah and and I think I saw people so I I, I watched my dad being miserable what felt like all of his life Mm. and he so he had you know a lot of reasons to to be unhappy Mm. um he was um so he had a congenital abnormality of the spine that you know it's very rare got progressively worse he was in huge amounts of pain um, he hadn't had a very nice childhood himself. He was taking antidepressants. Mm. He, you know, he drank. Mm. Um, he had a nasty temper. Mm. Um, you know, he, we hated him at times, and he was just miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything went wrong. You know, he was like a Friday. So, so if there was a Friday afternoon computer that was he would get it if that you know it always seemed to happen to him and I think he chose to be like that a little bit so he didn't choose his illness you know he didn't but he didn't choose to do the best that he could with what he had um he kind of gave up and just wallowed you know in in misery and I just think what how sad is that that you know you we there's that poem isn't there um that talks about you know what would you choose to do with your one wild and precious life and I love that poem so much um and it's talking about I mean she's talking about looking I think it's the grasshopper so she spends all day, it's a grasshopper or a cricket, I, I think something like that. I could be completely wrong, but she spends all day watching this beautiful kind of creature of nature. And then at the end of it, she says, what else should I have done with my one wild and precious life? And that's kind of, you know, what, how I feel about, you know, happiness. Why? 
why spend your life being sad and feeling like a victim you know don't don't waste it don't waste your one wild and precious life being unhappy oh yeah definitely definitely I really liked the happiness piece of success as well because so often like you say we see it the other way around but actually it opens your mind up if you're happy you're kind of open to other opportunities and you're you know looking out for things and you're just open it's just a very different mindset to be in and I think I've never thought about it like that before and I think that's something I'm probably going to take away and have a really good think about because I think it's Mm. yeah transformational before but I think that is the kind of thing that if you really get to grips with that it could be really transformational yeah yeah and it's not to say that you know life is not all cupcakes and rainbows and happiness and jolly you know that it, it can be pretty rubbish yeah. um but actually and and there are times when sadness is appropriate and it is what we need yeah. um but it i think it kind of feels like it's it's the combination of all of our emotions that make our life definitely so precious yeah yeah there's without the highs you can't experience the lows and vice versa you know you don't know how to you can't really appreciate things if you're not really experiencing the full spectrum of emotion so how have you seen women's roles in society evolve during your lifetime well so all these questions are just so thought-provoking so this one was was um an interesting one for me because my so because my dad was was ill um for a lot of his life my mum was his carer so he wasn't able to work um so he had he worked for a while but then he got ill and he wasn't able to work so neither of my parents worked they um were uh, we were on they were on disability benefit um in the end you know my dad was um, bed bound um, and he couldn't even you know couldn't get out of bed on his own he'd had his so he had his leg amputated and he had so many things kind of kind mm. of wrong with him so I never had a childhood where there was a traditional kind of you know the dad goes out the, the father works and the mum stays at home um, but I did grow up where all of the princesses were saved by the prince and you know Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty and there was always some man coming to save them and I grew up thinking that that was you know that was that that's what I needed you know that I would grow up and there would be a man who would come and save me and I we would get married and all you know all of that and and what I have seen evolve over the years, which I just love, are all of the films that we now see where it isn't a prince on, you know, a, a handsome prince on a white charger kind of coming in to save the princess. Yeah. So one of my daughter's first films that she was tangled um, I love tangled so much I love that film and I love that it wasn't about the handsome prince saving the princess mm. um and that for me that kind of evolution and the things that my children now watch mm. I, I see that kind of as a reflection of society and now films like brave which is the girl who's the princess or the son you know the son of the the chief and she wants to kind of ride bareback on her horse and climb these amazing falls and shoot arrows and she doesn't you know she doesn't want to conform to the you know to the norms and Encanto and Finding Dory which is all about you know the ditzy fish and I you know I love all of that and kind of that evolution of of moving from a world where men were the saviors to a world where 
who knows who the savior is who you know who who gets to decide well we all do yes definitely i remember watching frozen um on a bus to france with I don't know, 40 and I used to be a school teacher and we went, we we're going to Paris and we watched the film for four or five times. And I think by the time I got to the end of the fourth time, I was kind of thinking, I really love this film because the sisters, that's the love story. It's not about men and women or traditional relationships or even just relationships. It's about family and it's about, yeah, those kinds of compassions and loves that we've never seen in, in, those kind of films before like I was the same generation I grew up watching you know Cinderella and Snow White and all of those ones and they were great but yeah they always had that kind of stereotypical male savior or male coming in to do something good and save the day you might might not save her but yeah really interesting and and you know what made me think also Moana is one of my favorites yes I love Moana I do Absolutely. Yeah. That's one of my favourite films as well. Um, And I think, you know, what you said about true love, I I remember watching that film and when it got to the bit, um, you know, where Anna is there and I'm thinking, yes, that's true love. And true because I kind of grew up in a in you know in we you know where true love was the prince and the princess and as you get older I kind of thought I I don't believe in true love actually after all that doesn't exist it isn't there um until I had my daughter that that moment was when I learned what true love really is um and I think that that's yeah it's great to to see that evolution in in the in in films that my children are now watching yeah definitely yeah that's a really good point I'd not never really thought about it like that never really thought I mean I knew that the stereotypes were there and I knew I'd grown up with them and I'd noticed that you know contemporary Disney Pixar illustration films are much more um with the time um but yeah really interesting point Hmm. So, on that note, do you have a favourite female character in a book, film or TV series? I I do. And um, no surprises, it is another... I don't know if it's a Disney film, actually, but it's another animated film. <laughs> um, and it is... I, I'm probably going to butcher explaining this, so I will do my best. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it, the, so the film is How to Train Your Dragon. And um, the character is Astrid. She is so cool. She is like not remotely stereotypical. She, you know, she runs around with an axe and a a mace Mm. as a Viking, you know. And um, I just, I love that film. And I, it is, has to be my absolute favorite film of all time. And although you know it's not about her, she delivers the most amazing line that has ever been delivered in any film ever, um, which I will now attempt to explain. So Hiccup is you know the son of a chief, and it, you know they're Vikings, so it's all about defending the village and killing dragons and. You know, it's a bit of a rite of passage for the for the you know the youths to grow up and then they get to kind of kill their first dragon. And that's what Hiccup thinks that he needs to do and that he wants to do. And he downs a dragon and then he can't kill it. And the story progresses, um, and you know, the, the dragon that he has made friends with and um you know is he's flown flown on this dragon um you know he's carted off by his viking chief father to go and find the big dragon's nest and astrid asks him why didn't you kill the dragon and he says i couldn't i'm the first viking in 300 years who couldn't kill a dragon And she turns around to him and she says, you're the first one to ride one, though. And that line 
I just think is the best line ever because he could ride a dragon. No one had ever ridden dragons before, but because that's not what they did. But he rode that dragon and Astrid, she got to ride a dragon too. And for, for that reason, I just, I love that film. And so it has to be Astrid. I love that as well, that he was having a negative thought and she turned it into something positive. It's just, it's great. You need, everyone needs a friend like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and who wouldn't want to ride a dragon? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that would be amazing. (laughs) Okay. So the final question, what have you learned from women? Well, so much. Um, I have learned not to be a victim. Um, which I think, you know, is is a really important lesson. Um, I've learned that I don't need a Prince Charming <laughs> and I don't particularly want one either. Um, I've learned I've learned to love and appreciate my body and not hate seeing photographs of myself and hearing um hearing myself recorded which I think is something that we all struggle with so I've learned that this body that I inhabit whatever it's you know pros and cons it is the thing that I do my things with you know my hands are how I what I draw with um and I've I learned that from a really good friend who um shared you know a story on Instagram about loving her body and I thought why don't I love mine so that was a really powerful lesson Mm. um I've learned my creativity I think or my love of creativity um from my mum's family who is full of all of her sisters all really creative and I have learned to just trust myself and be myself um and I have I think the most important lesson that I've learned from women is that it's okay to be kind and that being kind doesn't mean being weak they're not the same thing and you can't always be kind yeah that's lovely I think that kindness and weakness is just wrongly equated as the same thing I think being kind to people is an easy thing to do really I think that even when someone's not being very nice to you being kind can be the thing that changes that dynamic or you know you can walk out of that situation feeling like you did everything you could so yeah and and I don't think you know people say oh sometimes you've got to be cruel to be kind and I think actually no you don't um, so you can you can choose, you know, and you don't have to be soft to be kind. Um, as you know, in, in my day job, I have you know had teams of people to manage, and actually sometimes being kind is sharing things with them that they don't want to hear. And actually, you wouldn't do it if you didn't care. Um, so yeah. So where can we find you online? So I've got a website, so uh, tomcatillustrations.co.uk, so that's my website, um, Mm -hmm. and you can see um, some of the work that I do, how to work with me there. Um, I am on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all of those places as um, at Tomcat Pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am also on Substack, which I am absolutely loving at the moment. I'm kind of pouring most of my creative energy into Substack at the moment um, because I, I love images. I'm endlessly inspired by, you know, the beautiful things that I see on Instagram. But actually, I think that there is such an amazing magic when you combine pictures and words and Substack. Um, you know, it's all about the writers. It's all about words. Um, and I'm loving being there. So on Substack, I am writing while I was drawing. 
um, which is all about kind of the things that I have lived and loved and learned as an illustrator and in my life. Um, and I find when I'm drawing, I, I get lost, I find things, I discover, um, and on Substack, I'm just sharing a little bit of that with everybody, um, as well as some of my drawings. Lovely. So nice. I actually follow you over there and I do love seeing what you have to write. So I'd recommend. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, it's been so lovely to talk to you. Thank you for joining uh me. Oh, no, thank you. It's been really lovely to talk to you, too. And yeah, I've, I love listening. I can't wait to listen to some more of your podcasts and, and what your other guests um, share. It's so inspiring. Um, and yeah, so thank you for having me on your podcast. And thanks, Emily. All right, thank you. You can find me over on Instagram at grow underscore with underscore moxie, or you can email me at hello at clairecouperland.co.uk. I'm also on Substack under Moments of Moxie. The podcast will also be hosted over there as well as in all the other places that you can find it. Thank you for listening. And if you like this, press subscribe so you can get the next episode straight in your feed. I hope you're having a really wonderful week. I'll speak to you soon.